Good morning, everyone, again. For those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Alex Christie. I'm the administrator here at Fellowship Church. Uh, As I said, Pastor Gary will be back next Sunday uh, with a new sermon series, and we're looking forward to all that. But this morning, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about being the difference, because the world is a threatening place. It's a frustrating place. You watch the news, you just pay attention to what's going on in in our town, in in our world, our county, just in our state. Different things going on everywhere, and it feels overwhelming in your own home, and things are overwhelming. And so often we just want to throw in the towel. So often we just want to be like, Lord, come back. Come back as soon as possible because I'm done. I've given up. I'm finished. I'm, I'm done trying. I'm just going to quietly live out my existence until you come or you take me home. And I want to encourage you to be different today, to be the difference, not to be sidelined, not to... Stay on the bench, so to speak. It actually made me think of it. I, I, just, I don't know if, you, if everyone had the same experience, but I was usually like one of the last kids picked for dodgeball or like kickball or any of that sort of a thing. Thank you for understanding. And, oh, it was stressful. And now as an adult, we're like, don't pick me, right? We want to be avoided. We want to be like kind of skimmed over. We want people to look at somebody else. We're not supposed to be like those Christians. We're called to be salt and light. Light on top of a hill. You don't cover it up. You be bright and you shine. And today we're talking about making that difference, being the difference. So again, thank you for being here this morning. And uh, we're going to start in the book of James this morning, which is Jesus' half-brother. And uh, he grew up with him. So he got to see all that stuff. And James actually didn't come to the faith until, I believe, until after Christ had died and risen from the dead. I would assume he was like, you know, the crazy brother guy. He's like, yeah, he was a carpenter. Next thing I know, he's off in the wilderness. And he didn't believe in it. So if you're struggling with your faith today, you're in good company. But James came around, and he, he wrote one of the best books. Well, this is so many, but he, in my opinion, one of the best books of the Bible. James wrote, What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but it has no works? Can that faith save him? Does faith save you alone? I believe it does. I believe if you accept Christ as your Savior, and only you know that, only you know in your heart of hearts whether or not you've truly accepted Jesus or if you've just done it because you felt pressure from your family or the youth pastor when you were younger, all these different things, only you know if you've got that faith locked in with Christ. But the faith without works part is where we're going to get into here in a minute. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. But go back one more time, Roger, that verse again. I'm sorry. Can that faith save him? That was the point. The faith saves you, but without evidence of that faith, what use is it? Is your faith today, is your walk with Christ alive and vibrant? Do people see you and wonder why is that person different? Or is your faith kind of in the background? Is your faith on a respirator, on life support? Struggling to hold on. Do we want to cross that finish line when our bodies are are, give up and we go home to be with the Lord? Do we want to show up limping, maybe being dragged over the finish line? Or do we want to show up and hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant? 
Because a servant is somebody who does, who works, who does things. He or she serves. You don't get to be called a good and faithful servant just by showing up. So let's get into a little bit more. Martin Luther said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us is never alone. What does that mean? The faith that you put in Christ, that faith and believing in something you can't see is what gets you saved. It's what it's your ticket to heaven. But it's not alone. There's works involved there. There's action involved there. We're going to see here a little bit more in a moment. James went on to say, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and be filled, yet you don't give them what is necessary for their body, what use is it? What good is that? And I think he's talking here about, it could be about siblings, but I think he's mainly talking about the church body, the brothers and sisters in Christ. If somebody hits hard times, if bad things happen, and people are struggling, and you're like, well, God bless you, I'll be praying for you, and you let them leave hungry, what good is that? What is the purpose of that? In the same way also, faith also, if it has no works, it's dead by itself. There's evidence needed for your faith to be alive and well. We need to get out there in our communities. We need to be active. We need to get to work in ourselves and in our homes. But how do we do it? How do we do? How do we restart? How do we be different? How do we be that difference? Ephesians says, and you were dead in your offenses and sins in which you were previously walked according to the course or the spirit of this world. According to the prince and power of the air, who, who is Satan, of that spirit, now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all previously lived in the lusts of flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the rest. Paul's writing here and reminding the Ephesians. Don't forget, before you were saved, you know, you were all struggling with this stuff. And chances are, you probably are still. We're new creatures in Christ, but the old sin nature, we don't hear the words faith nature or grace nature very often. We have a sin nature. It's far, far easier for us to fall back into sin than it is to fall into living right and doing the right thing. Even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ, By grace, you have been saved. So yes, the Bible does teach us grace is what saves us. But let's get off the bench. Let's stop waiting for somebody to ask us to do something. Let's stop hoping that maybe we'll be not picked at this point in our lives and we can just be quiet and enjoy watching the shows at home or reading the book we enjoy. Let's start 2022 in a different way and not let it be another year. Before you know it, It's going to be Easter. It's going to be Christmas again. And it's going to be New Year's. We all say, where did the year go? Every year, we all say, where did the year go? 2022 will be no different. It's going to be over in a flash. And if we don't do something with it, if we're not careful, it's going to be just like any other year. But we can do this. We can do this because we have God's Word and we have the Spirit and we have His grace in us. And and we have the faith to believe so. So let's be the difference. Do you know that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? 
This is an incredibly important part of this message. It's a short part, but it's so important for you to know that you are an imager of God. You are made in God's image. It's amazing to think that not necessarily looking like him, but you have the attributes of God. That's what separates you from everything else. Whenever you read about the majesty of God's creation, you sing a song about the majesty of God's creation. We're talking about ourselves to a large extent. Mountains are beautiful. The oceans are vast. But you are, you are a son and daughter of God made in his image, loved by him so very much. He came to die on the cross just for you. If the whole world denied him and only one person would have accepted him, he would have done it anyway. He would have gone for that one lost sheep and left the many. So please, understand your value. Genesis says, God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You're not an accident. You didn't, it wasn't some cosmic random act of chance that the whole world was developed and all the life on it came together and everything works in such beautiful harmony. It's not an accident. None of it's an accident. It was designed that way by a God who loves you and you are the pinnacle of his creation. You are the thing he put his stamp on. And, and he, like I said, he sent his son, in his own, he came in the image of his own son to die for your sins. And if we're going to grow, we need to know it and believe it. Because if we, don't, if we don't understand where we stand with God, we think that change is too hard. Change isn't worth the effort. We can't change because I just can't do it. I've tried before. Try with this mindset that, that God's got your back. He loves you and that through him all things are possible. We can do this because, <clears throat> jumping into Peter now, and I, I wanted to, I wanted, the reason why I started reading Peter was because, pardon me one second, please, I need a little sip of water. The reason why I started reading Peter was because Jesus said, you're going to be the rock and I'm going to, I'm going to build my church on you. And I thought, Peter only wrote a few books in the entire Bible. A lot of the New Testament's Paul and other authors. <clears throat> and I thought, you know, it, I, should, I should really get into what he wrote because it matters. It all matters, of course. But Peter, Peter had like he, he was he was given a, a special place in a way. And it's just it's amazing how we should really pay attention to what he's saying here. And it's really not heavy, heavy, deep stuff. It's not big apologetics and it's not it's not going into really th- heavy, heavy things that are confusing. It's stuff that really, truly matters here. Peter wrote Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received the faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the, to, to the people like you and I that are in the church. And we have the same believing system that, that, that he did, that through Jesus Christ we could go to heaven. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord. <clears throat> For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these, he has granted to us his precious, magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now, we talked about the sin nature that we hear about all the time. But here's the part where Peter's referencing our divine nature. 
Remember, you're a new creature in Christ. So you have a divine nature. You're made in the image of God. You have a divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is the world on account of lust. We have the tools, and they come straight from God, but we need to use them. If we leave, the, if we leave our tools in the toolbox, nothing gets done, right? If you, go, you have a honeydew list at home, and you keep ignoring it, ignoring it, you don't do anything with it, nothing gets done. Nothing fixes itself. We have to proactively decide that we're going to take what God has given us and use those gifts to glorify Him and to be blessed in our own way by, by having things like peace and kindness and love in our lives. Those are the things that we're after today. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For these are the qualities are yours and are increasing. They do not make you useless or unproductive in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted. We know when we're sinning, don't we? So often we're about to do something and we know we're not supposed to do it and we push down our conscience. We push down our knowledge of right and wrong, good and evil, and we do it anyway. We put on blinders to stuff. If we, if we know we have a problem in a relationship, we just ignore it. We don't fix it. We don't apologize for it. We don't, we don't make attempts to do it. And then we also don't acknowledge the idea that if we've lived a certain way a long, long time, and then we attempt to make a difference, well, sometimes it takes time for some other people to trust that, don't they? If someone's been one way their entire life and then they flip a coin, you think they want something from you, usually, right? So instead, what, we're, what we should be doing is patience, kind, perseverance, and love, and be, and, but also understanding that other people are going to take time to understand and believe in our change and for us to not give up. And part of that, and part of that is just holding strong and keeping the faith for it all. Having forgotten his purification from his former sins... Faith is great, but without action, it will wither and die. These tools will rust in the toolbox if we don't get them out and use them. If we're not careful, our faith will be non-existent. People won't see us being different from the rest of the world. Faith must be more than a belief. It has to be what we do. So often, you hear the terms, living out your grace. Living out your grace is a very, very dangerous thing because that means, oh, I can do whatever I want now. I've accepted Jesus as my Savior. I'm, I have a spot secure in heaven, so I can do whatever I want. Where we should be living out our faith. Our faith is the thing that draws people in. Our grace, if we live it out the wrong way, if we're just living like the rest of the world, repels people from Christ. Why would they be interested in Jesus if the only Jesus they might be seeing is you and you're a terrible representation of it? So please, keep that in mind when you're out and about, when you're working with people, when you want to lose your mind on that that service person who isn't doing their job right. It happens all the time. You go someplace and people are rude. People don't do what you want them to do or what they even should do. But we can respond in love. 
We can be different, especially if you're wearing a fellowship shirt or something like that, because people are going to see your shirt and they're like, oh, well, yeah, you better hurry to church. Peter goes on to say, therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choice of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Don't give up on doing things right, because if you continue to do things right, if you're not complacent, you're not going to stumble, you're not going to fall. Nobody plans on ruining their life. Nobody plans on backsliding to the point where everything falls apart around them. It's, it's something that happens slowly. It's a drip over time. The marriage falls apart. Relationships fall apart. Our, our testimonies disappear over time. It doesn't happen overnight. Let's not be complacent. Let's fight the good fight and live out our faith, not our grace. Don't get caught up in living in your grace. We're not seeing any, uh, we're, if, we, if we're not seeing any of the fruit listed in our lives, and the, the, the above verses, they'll be back up in a moment. Listed, um, like self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If you're not seeing those things in your life, we need to really take a good look at ourselves and see who our master really is. I'm not saying you're not saved here today. If you've put your faith in Christ, I believe you're saved. But you might be serving the wrong master today. You might, you might belong to Jesus, but you might not be serving him if you're not living right. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. These are all action words, aren't they? These aren't like passive things that you can do and hide. These aren't things that you can put away and, and they'll grow. These are things that we have to act out when we're interacting with each other. These are the evidences of your faith. Your faith is real. Your faith is there. But how strong is it? The barometer, the litmus test, is what somebody else would say of you. If they were asked that, those, do you see these things in, in you? If somebody else was asked that question, you, you'd be, that's the answer right there. The, the barometer and the litmus test is if somebody would look at you and go, oh yeah, I see all that in that person. But Peter goes even deeper into it. Scriptures, and the question now is, are you his or his? A capital H in the Bible always indicates God or Jesus. It's a, it's a title. It's a, it's, a, it's a show of respect of the Lord, of God. And this lowercase h is generally of others, including who we referenced earlier, the prince and power of the air, Satan. Who are you a, a, who are you a servant of today? By not serving God... Whether you like it or not, you're serving somebody. And if you're not serving God, you can finish the sentence. So let's be the difference. Let's make the difference. And Peter went on to say, For in this way, the entrance unto the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. So Peter's actually saying here, if you're not seeing these things in your life, you really need to look at yourself and make sure that you've got your ticket to heaven. Therefore, and this is what, you know, Peter beat this to death. I, the whole, I, like, I made a joke the first service. Any of you that have raised kids, when you talk to a child and you bring something up over and over again, you can see them suppress the eye roll. You can see them be like, oh, again. 
Peter was doing this to the church because it was so important to him. And he knew we were like children. He knew from God's perspective how hard it must be for him to watch us and watch us respond with an eye roll to him. But he never gave up. He never stopped repeating. And he talks about why here. Therefore, I'll always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present to you. I consider it right, as long as I am in my in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up, stir you up by way of reminder. So never stop reminding each other. You can encourage each other this way, reminding each other to, to act right, to live right, knowing that laying aside of my earthly dwelling is eminent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Peter was about to die. He was in Rome. He was in prison. He was going to be martyred soon, and he knew it. He knew his end was near. And he wanted to get this letter out to to the church so that they would not forget these things. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. Peter thought, this is his swan song. This is his last letter to the church at this point. Can you imagine how important this was to him? He didn't want people out there believing that they were saved and not being saved. He didn't want the church to falter by letting go of the basic necessities of of being loving and being kind to one another and doing the right thing. He thought that they were so important, he made a point to write, write about it in his last letter. So if we don't use it, we're going to lose it. It's such an important part of our lives. We have to be so very careful to exercise these things by reminding each other. And I made a joke about it the first service. My wife has been on me about getting back to the gym. She's been wanting me to get back healthier. And it's painful. It's miserable. I cannot stand going to the gym. I've never liked it. Uh, it's a terrible thing. I don't eat right either. It's just I'm, I'm not good at it. But God has blessed me with a wife who loves me and will tell me it's time to go to the gym. And then she knows that I'm kind of complacent about it. And then she'll say, but the grandkids. So then I have to go because I feel guilty about that. But we need to intentionally and exercise what God has given us. And it hurts sometimes. It hurts for us to exercise this stuff. And if we're not stretching and we're not working on our faith, again, it's dying. It's getting weaker. If we don't exercise our bodies, it slowly gets weaker. I can, I can tell because it had been a while since I've been like actively at the gym, and I really went after it the other day. And I was nearly crippled yesterday. I could barely walk. I was taking Excedrin every like 20 minutes because I was hurting from top to bottom because I hadn't exercised in so long. Our spiritual walk is the same thing. It hurts at first. You're going to alienate friends. You're going to annoy people that used to crack jokes and you don't laugh at those jokes anymore. Or they used to hear those jokes from you and you're not feeling comfortable about it anymore because you're wanting to represent him better. So you're not saying certain things anymore. And then there starts to be a little bit of a divide. And that hurts. But I tell you what, if they don't see a difference in you and they know you're a Christian, they know you go to church, what's the point? What is the point of doing any of this? If we're not reaching people for Christ. This is heaven and hell we're talking about. This is eternity what we're talking about. So please, exercise your faith, not your grace. 
Exercising your grace is a terrible thing when you think about it. To, to, to feel like you can sin as much as you want, do whatever you want, based on the idea that you have a, a place secure in heaven because of what Jesus did. If you were a parent and you gave your kids a get-out-of-jail-free card and they beat it and they used it to the point of, of abuse, you wouldn't appreciate it. I can't imagine God appreciates it either. I can't imagine he, it doesn't hurt him to think that we're down here just taking advantage of such a hard, hard sacrifice he had to make. So let's live out our faith and be a shining example for him. We should remember what we were and how we have been delivered. We need to remember these things, not to beat ourselves up. That song, uh, the second to last song, I can't think of the name of it at the moment, but the second to last song we did, the reason why I like that song so much is because it's a good reminder that we're saved, that we're redeemed, that God sees us different than we see ourselves sometimes. And we can get so stuck in the idea of, I'm not good enough to tell somebody about Jesus. You're perfect to tell somebody about Jesus. Because no matter who you are and how bad you've been, if you're a different person and you're living out your faith, you're going to make a difference. They're going to wonder why. It gives them an opportunity to question, oh my goodness, I never knew that about you. I never knew you lived that way. It will be shocking. And I tell you what, if we're not careful, and if we don't remind ourselves and remember where we came from, it's so easy to fall back into that old sin nature. It's so hard to fall into our faith nature, or in our divine nature, but that sin nature sneaks up on us really quick. Peter went on to say, For we do not follow cleverly devised tales which were made known to you uh, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, pardon me, such a declaration as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this declaration made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter didn't need to lie. He didn't need to sell something. He didn't need to make up a great story or try to figure out a way to spin the gospel to make it interesting to whoever he was talking to. He had personal experience. He was there and saw with his own eyes the power of God and how Jesus' glory was revealed during the transfiguration. In Matthew, we see that six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John, James and John are the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder, and led them up on the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured or changed before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became white as light. Not white as snow, white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. We can have confidence and trust in God's word and the promises in it. And we can also look to God's Word and be super encouraged that when we fall, when we're not doing right, we can pick ourselves up and get going again. And God will love us and, and, and let us keep moving right from where we are. As long as we're living in that faith and trying and, and working at it, He'll take us right from there. Because you look at that, that story. Can you imagine? You're up on the mountain. You see, you hear God's audible voice. You see Jesus burst into light. And then in chapter 20... Maybe days later, the sons of Zebedee are arguing who gets to sit at the left and the right-hand side of Jesus. 
Who would care? I mean, honestly, you got to see that. Who would care? You've seen all the other miracles. You've seen that. I would just be glad to be in the room. At least I think I would. But then again, who knows? Maybe I would have been like, well, what do these guys get to do it for? Why don't I get to do it? It's crazy. And it's great, though, those stories are in there because it's a reminder of who God uses to do great things. No one in this room is exempt from serving God in a mighty way. Peter went on to say, <laughs> and so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well pay attention as to the lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. Books are great. The Bible is the answer. If the book that you're reading, just want to throw this out there, doesn't line up with Scripture, throw the book away. Just, just want you to know, don't stick with man's interpretation of stuff. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, run the other direction. Because just it, they didn't sell books doing this. Uh, the, the apostles that wrote this, they all died martyrs. They believed in this with all their hearts and they put their lives up for it. They didn't do book sales and get profit sharing for it. Just know that there's lots of great literature out there, but man's interpretation can be flawed. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. We don't have a religious book authored by men. We have the Holy Bible that was written by men, inspired by God Himself. Remember, these were guys that saw amazing things, were a part of amazing things, and God touched them in such a way. Peter referenced a little bit ago that Jesus was letting him know that He was going to die soon. It's amazing how they had a, commun a communion with God that I, I, I can't even imagine. God's promises in this holy word can be trusted. Ephesians says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And, the word of, and then Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit. Now, a sword is a cutting thing, of course, and it can create massive damage. And sometimes damage is necessary. Sometimes wreaking havoc in a situation to break it up, to rebuild, is important. And God's Word can do that. But also a sword, something sharp, is like it also can be used to heal, like a scalpel. It can get in there, and, and, and both the joints and the marrow of the body can be separated. God can get in there in the darkest places in your heart, if you let Him, if you get into His Word. And He can get in there, and He can fix you. He can help you grow. He can help you grow and glorify Him. Even though we are weak in our sinful earthly bodies, we can make a difference in our world if we do as we should. And, in the weather, and what we should be doing is living out our faith, not our grace. Showing people that we have accepted Christ, not ashamed of Him, and doing the right thing. Living out those, those proofs that Peter spoke of earlier. Whether the difference is in our world, in our country, state, county, or home, or just improving in your personal walk, today is the day. Now is the time. Life is but a vapor. As I said earlier, this year is going to be over before we know it. New Year's resolutions are fun. When you look them up like the top ten, it's always losing weight, spending more time, people want to quit smoking, things like this. But all of these things go away. None of these things have long-term effects. The things that matter are your walk with the Lord. And if you get closer to the Lord, 
going backwards on that list, you will grow. Your family will grow. And then when you're stronger, you can bleed into helping our communities, helping into helping our state. We so often will flip on the news and yell at the TV, watching the news, wondering what the president's doing or whoever's doing it in Congress and all these things. We have no effect on those things until all we can do is vote and hope for the best. But you know what? You can make a substantial difference in your home. You can change everything in your children and your grandchildren's lives. If you're not living right and you're telling your kids to live right, are they going to live right? I go back, I brought up the first service. I don't know if you guys remember back in like in the 80s, they used to do the, the commercial that was anti-drug commercial. And the dad's going after his son because he found marijuana in, in, his, in the kid's bedroom. And the boy's response was, I learned it from watching you, dad. Everything is like that. We could tell our kids to do right, live right, don't do this, don't do that. And then if they watch us do that, if they watch us talk like that, what do we expect them to do? Do as I say, not as I do, never works. And we're not promised tomorrow, so let's make the most of today. Romans says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual which is your spiritual service of worship. This kind of falls in with dying daily, doesn't it? Working that faith, stretching it, making it hurt a little bit because you're growing. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God, what the will of God is and which is good and acceptable and perfect. We're proving to the world that this matters. More and more and more, the world doesn't believe any of this matters. Frankly, most people would laugh at you for talking about it. We deny our Creator. We deny that, that, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. It's easier to believe a mis- talking about being a mistake. Science and different things that they, they quote as science. I said the first service, if you really read evolution stories and you really get into these things, these lies that you're taught... It's all full of could have, we believe, we think. None of it is truly science. Go back to that that last verse again, please, Roger. What is perfect and transforming and renewing of the mind is getting into God's Word, getting away from those things, getting away from trusting the fact that you're fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. Trusting that if you do right, love will come, perseverance will come. All of those things that Peter listed earlier. Go ahead, Roger, please. Thank you. For through the grace given to me, as I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think also as to have sound judgment as God has allowed it to each a measure of faith. I've talked a lot about not cutting yourself short because you're a sinner, you've messed up. Don't think that God can't use you because of what you've done. And the flip side of that is we have to be so careful to not think we're perfect. We can't let ourselves get so high-minded to think we're so educated, to think that we, we, we've read the Bible this many times, so I know everything. Let's not get there either. We're warned of that too. Let's be humble. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function. The church takes a lot to make it a functioning church, doesn't it? So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individual, individually parts of one another. Today is the day we start. 
Let's be different together. Let's fight this good fight. Let's live in our faith, not in our grace. By making a difference in our homes, in our communities, in our church, in ourselves, not from where God is sending us. So many of us are waiting, waiting. You, know, we're, you hear people joke about being scared they're going to be somehow God's going to send them to China, send them to Africa to be a missionary. You know what? Sometimes God's got you right where He wants you. And He wants you to get active where you are. And He doesn't, he doesn't you don't get, you know, when you're driving, your, your uh, GPS doesn't tell you to make a left turn unless it's time to make a left turn. Sometimes you just have to keep going straight. And do what you can do where you are. So God can use you right where you're at. Be the difference. Thank you again for being here this morning. I want to pray um, if, just to make sure that anyone here that does not know Jesus as their Lord and personal Savior. Uh, the most important thing is to, to know Jesus. And everything I talked about this morning doesn't really have an effect on you unless you know Christ. If you don't know Jesus, it's hard to apply these things. It's hard to do right. And we need the Lord in our hearts. So if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the time, if you don't remember the moment when you asked him into your heart, I just encourage you this morning to pray with me. I've worked with, I worked with the kids for many, many years. And I always like to say it's easy as ABC because Jesus did all the work. He moved that mountain of sin. It's up to you to accept his free gift of salvation, though. When I say A, I mean accept the fact that you're a sinner. Accept the fact that you've fallen short. You've, you may be as simple a thing as a lie will keep you out of heaven. You know, many people go, well, I've never killed anybody. Well, that's not the point. The point is that we're sinners. We all fall short. We hurt people's feelings. We drive people away. We curse God, and we don't even know we're doing it sometimes. So if you've sinned, and we all have, you have to accept that fact that you're a sinner. And B is believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He would have died on that cross just for you. You don't have to understand it. You don't even have to be able to explain it to anybody. It's, 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 a, it's a mystery of how he did it and, frankly, why he did it, he, to love us that, that much. But you know what? All you have to do is believe in it. And C is to choose. Choose Jesus Christ. Ask him into your heart and ask him to forgive you. And he will. And it's simple as that. He did all the work on the cross. So if you don't mind, pray with me today. Father God, thank you, Lord, again for this time. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for just being such an encouragement to our, our hearts, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we can be a difference, Lord. We can be a difference in our community. We can be a difference in, in our home. And, Lord, be a difference for you. May we be able to reach out to people and be salt and light, Lord. And, Lord, anybody here today that does not know you personally, we pray for their hearts to be softened, Lord. We pray, Lord, for their lips to be loosened and that they will be willing to cry out to you now, Lord. And, Lord, I pray, I pray for forgiveness of my sins. I pray, Lord, that you accept my, my, my humble begging here, Lord, of my, my, my sins to be given to you and you take them on the cross like you promised that you would. And, Lord, today I believe in you. I believe that you died on that cross, so I could ask you that. And I choose you today, Lord. I ask you into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. And I ask you to accept me into heaven when my time here on earth is done. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I, Lord, I, I pray today that somebody comes into someone's life that just prayed that prayer. Somebody that will, will help them grow. Help encourage them to stick with it, Lord. And Lord, we just ask you to bless them. We love you, Lord. We say this all in your holy name. Amen. 
And please don't forget on your way out today, we have communion. God bless you. Pastor Gary will be back next week. We love and appreciate you. God bless you.